Hey, Joe, I just had one question. Um, if you're playing an old game, aren't you reviving it? Look, it's moving. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, because sometimes they get pedantic. Yeah, that was my good buddy Spencer there at the top of the show, man. Awesome message, Spencer. Thank you for that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that would depend on if those old games were dead. If they were dead and you were playing it, then I guess you would be reviving it. Uh, But if they're still alive and kicking, I don't know, man. Is that a revival? And plus, who's talking about revival? We're talking about the old school renaissance, OSR. There's no revival in it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So today, folks, I have a bunch more calls from folks that both agreed and disagreed with my statement that the original TSR D&D games are not part of the OSR or whatever the OSR means. That was my contentious statement, intentionally inflammatory, um, and it worked. (laughs) It totally worked. (laughs) So awesome. Thank you, everybody, for the calls. Before that, I do want to say a couple things. First and foremost, I, I want to send a massive heartfelt thank you to one of my buddies across the pond i woke up this morning to a discord message saying i heard you talking about how you couldn't you couldn't access and use the rule cyclopedia pdf that you know that annoyed me and i wanted to see what i could do and so he did some research he downloaded and downloaded it yep that's a word he downloaded a free version of Acrobat Pro or Adobe Pro. I'm sorry, I, I don't know. I suck at tech. And ran ran the Encyclop- Rule Cyclopedia PDF through that. It asked him a bunch of questions and took a bunch of times and sent it to me, man. And it is night and day different, right? Like, it, it, it it's crazy. I can actually use it now. You know, like... It, <laughs> It's it's amazing. It still messes up like the vast majority of PDFs. Uh, the screen reader will still mess up the occasional word or phrase, which, you know, that's fine because there's enough context around those mess ups so everything makes sense. And I'm used to those sort of mistakes. Previously, before this um, fix, it, the screen reader would just read nonsense, just letters, symbols, numbers, nonsense. It didn't know what to do. It, it wouldn't work at all. Now it works <laughs> and I can use it. And it's just so goddamn touching. And I just feel I'm so grateful for awesome people in the world who take time out of their day to help other people. You know, people that we've never met. I've never met him in person. We've talked. We've gamed together. But still, you know, I'm not mentioning his name because I don't know. Maybe there's something technically not kosher about doing this. You know, 
who knows because copyright rules in America are stupid and broken and they don't actually help anything. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just awesome. And so now I, I, I have the rule cyclopedia in a format that I can use and is primarily accessible. And it's just, it's just so cool. You know, I don't know, honestly, I don't know what I, <laughs> what I do to deserve some of this stuff sometimes. You know, I, I, I talk a lot of shit. I, I <laughs> poke the bear a bunch, but there are still people out there, um, that are willing to take time and spend effort and for the sole purpose of helping, helping out some dude across an ocean and across a continent play a game and that's just fucking cool that's what's cool about this hobby whether you play old games whether you play new games whatever games you're playing that's the cool thing about this hobby the cool people in this hobby are some of the coolest people i've ever met in my life right like i've met cool people that don't play these games and they're they're awesome and i've met cool people that do play these games and they're they're really cool. <laughs> they're, they're just, so many of them are just giving and kind and compassionate. And for that, my friend, thank you so much. I, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't have the words to properly thank you. One of these days, I'll buy you like 70 beers and we'll talk about it and I'll probably cry and it'll be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the good news. Um, there is no real bad news. There is some sad news. And the sad news is we must say goodbye to an awesome friend, the brave and noble paladin known as Patio Slatefist. So in my last game of Wrath of the Righteous that I ran for my awesome group, which consists of my old Wheeler Woe group, so Woody, James, and Laura, uh, with the amazing additions of Jules and Jason. Yeah, so we had a game this past Easter weekend of 2022. And, yeah, you know, as, as you heard, Patty... The Paladin did not make it through the session, and that's always a bummer. I don't like it when characters die. I don't fudge dice. I don't pull punches, but I don't like it when characters die, right? Like, that's never any fun. So, what happened? Okay, so if you remember the party, which consists of Patty, the Paladin, uh, Haven, the Paladin... Subin, the Oracle, which is kind of like a cleric. Nyx, the Rogue, and Randor, the Monk. They had been working their way through the lair of the Clan of the Bat, which which are these not-so-cool underground-dwelling humanoids that have been corrupted by this demon-worshipping cult. It's taken a few sessions, and it's been a slog grinding through this 
layer that they have to get through to get back to the surface of the city to find out what's going on with this demon incursion that's happening above them. So in the last part of this layer, there is a maze and I had built this maze and I was like, yeah, this is going to be totally awesome. This is going to be super cool. And it was just an example of me overreaching. I, I tried to do too much. The maze itself was really cool, but because I used Fog of War on Roll20, the the revealing tool on Roll20 for Fog of War sucks. You can select it and try and reveal areas, and it just won't. <laughs> It'll actually highlight them darker, um, and so you have to click it a few times to make it work. So that was really frustrating, and everything just took longer than it needed to. And that was a bummer, right? Because I thought this maze was going to be cool. And if it if I was using dynamic lighting, it probably would have been cooler, I bet. Um, but, you know, we do what we can do. And so that part, the first part of the session was kind of like, it was fun and everything. And I love playing with those guys. But I was annoyed with myself for, you know, not having the game run as smoothly as I would like it to. There were a lot of stops and starts where I was like, wait, hold on. I got to show you this. I got to do this and then go to this layer on the map to move these monsters around and then go back to the other layer on the map to highlight this stuff. Yeah. So typical roll 20 woes. Um, But yeah, so then they finally, finally, they won their way back to the surface. The party again breathes the fresh air of the Kenebris skies, except the skies are filled with smoke and all around them is nothing but destruction. The city has been broken. That's the best way to describe it. It's been destroyed. Buildings are smashed. There's bodies in the streets. They hear a distant scream and that gets cut off with like a bloody gurgle. Things are bad. Things are not great on the surface. It's very post-apocalyptic up there. And so the party, they, they made it to the surface with their three NPC companions intact and in good spirits. And so now each one of these NPCs has, has a location in the city that they need to get to, right? Like Anivia, she wants to go to her house and see if her wife is okay. Horgus, the rich kind of jerky dude who's the party has sort of won over and he's sort of won the party over a little bit. He wants to go to his manor house. Uh, Aravashniel, the blinded wizard, he wants to go to the Blackwing Library, which he claims is the headquarters to this secret demon hunting organization that the party doesn't really know if he's telling the truth or if he's just some crazy conspiracy nut or what. Um, also, while they were down in the lair, uh, they had defeated the, the cultist boss and they found a note on her and the note listed three locations in the city that were cultist safe houses so now the party has six different locations that they want to investigate um and then hopefully they can find some sanctuary some safety somewhere because things are not good and so this part of the adventure is very sandboxy and it's very dangerous (laughs) it's very 
very dangerous because there's a random encounter chart and the random encounter chart is pretty brutal. And when you're going to these locations, there isn't a chance of a random encounter. There will be a random encounter and it's just which one will it be? And so I set it up. I, you know, I've talked about random encounters before in the past and how I'm not great with them, but I didn't want to roll these in advance. I wanted to leave everything up to the players, make everything transparent because it's pretty brutal. Plus the party hadn't chance, hadn't had a chance to rest yet and level up. So they're still only second level. Now, granted they do have all of their abilities intact right now as they reach the surface. So yeah, but it's still very dangerous. So they roll up their first encounter and it's this big porcupine demon tiger kind of thing. It's covered in these sharp quills. It's probably 10 feet at the shoulders, 10 feet long, walks on four legs, and it lets out this bone chilling howl uh, that everyone within like 200 feet has to make a save or be scared and shit. And because it doesn't give the party a chance to not have random encounters, right? The random encounters are happening. Um, I wanted to give the party the chance to make a decision, right? So the, the monster was, I don't know, probably a hundred feet or more away. It hadn't noticed them. I made sure that everyone knew that the beast hadn't noticed it them yet and i asked the party what do you guys want to do and there was some debating back and forth but they finally decided let's fight this thing right on <laughs> let's fight man let's fight <sighs> yeah and long story short at the end of the fight patty was down he was the victim of getting crit twice in a row uh, twice in one round, the beast has two attacks, crit on both of those attacks, and boom, dead. Not unconscious, but dead. If you go to negative hit points equal to your constitution score, you are dead. And so, yeah, that was it. And still, the party had all of their abilities still intact. And that's, that's you know, as a that's just frustrating, right? Like, the player took it like a goddamn champ. Woody took it like a champ. Him and I have had a bunch of talks about what he's going to play next, how he's going to get that character into the game, into the campaign, and it's awesome. He's come up with this really rad character, and while it might leave a small gap in the party, it fills a much bigger gap. So it's really cool. I'm excited for the next session to get to get the new character in. But yeah, it's it's just a bummer. And then to top it off, so there was already a lot of tension because one of their PCs has died, right? Like the party was pretty broken up about that. One of their friends that they had been with and gone through hell with, they traveled traversed the city through these underground caverns fought demons and crazy dwarven wizards and evil underground humanoids all kinds of stuff finally to make it back to the surface and then just to get murdered to death by a crazy porcupine demon Uh, it was a bummer to the group 
Um, everyone save Woody, like I said, because he took it like a boss. But then, for some reason that I don't fully understand, Subin, the Oracle, the healer of the group, if you will, turned around to that evil dwarven wizard that I mentioned before. Because if you remember, several sessions back, like the first or second session, the party faced him in combat, knocked him out, and there was this very dramatic, very amazing, awesome, powerful role-playing scene where the party debated whether or not they were going to kill him or take him prisoners. They decided to take him prisoner. The group had been dragging this <laughs> evil dwarven wizard around with them, tied up and gagged this whole time. They recently decided to strap him to basically like a, just like a sled. They built this little Travoy little sled thing. So they didn't have to wear him on his, on their backs. They were just pulling him around, but after Patty went down, Subin, the healer, the lawful good healer, turned around, cast burning hands on the dwarven wizard and killed him. Boom. Dead. And that was pretty Haven, the paladin. She was too broken up to really notice, but you don't miss somebody burning a body. So that's where the session ended. <laughs> so, yeah, next session going to be pretty spicy. Um. Yeah, I, I don't think Haven is stoked that Subin murdered the wizard in cold blood. Now, Subin's player claimed that he forgot that he was, that the dwarven wizard was alive. <clears throat> I don't know how. They've been dragging him around. They hadn't been dragging around a corpse. But anyway, it's going to be interesting next session. Um yeah, so I will definitely keep you posted on that. Also, uh, last night... Well, let me get into that in another section. Yeah, so the other game I played in this week was a game of Rule Cyclopedia run by the amazing Joe Salvador. Um, Jason was supposed to be in that game, but he couldn't make it, which is a bummer. So it was just me and Joe... And then the other fella who doesn't have a podcast, so I won't mention their name, but he's an amazing dude, too. It was really, really fun. Uh, we're still running through an adventure where it's like the first adventure, I believe, in the Rule Cyclopedia, uh, in the Rule Cyclopedia box. And yeah, <laughs> we got our butts kicked. So there was three of us initially that went down there. It was me and the other fella. I'm playing Hans, which is my backup to my backup to my original character. So my original character was Daya the Fida. He died almost immediately to a kobold arrow. I picked up uh, and started playing Franz, who was a hireling we had. He died on the very next round from a kobold arrow. And now I'm playing Hans, who was the last of our hirelings. Uh, rolled up Hans' hit point. He has one hit point. <laughs> the other guy, Lord Exel, is the name of his character. He has one hit point. And then we're down there with Jason's character, Dink Tankleaf, who has like six hit points. So it's spicy already, right? <laughs> we're down in this dungeon. We're trying to find uh, the evil Bargle 
this evil wizard who murdered someone and kidnapped somebody and we're trying to save the day and yeah so i played two sessions of rule cyclopedia and had three characters died because when you have one hit point everything is deadly there is nothing that isn't deadly at all i died to a kobold dagger <laughs> Sir Sir Exel died from a kobold blade. Uh, Dink Dank Leaf managed to kill off those two kobolds, but when some zombies started showing up, Dink smartly hit the bricks and made it back to town safely. Yeah, so it's a really fun session. I mean, when you got one hit point, you got one hit point. I think when I run Rule Cyclopedia, nobody will have one hit point. I don't think that's... I, I don't think that's great where you get tapped and you die so yeah i think i'll have a minimum threshold for hit points because having one hit point while it's fun and it you know i i'll lose a couple characters and it's fun and blah 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 you can't put together any sort of like long-term game running with characters with one hit point so yeah i will (laughs) that'll be one of the house rules i implement um but yeah so now like I mentioned earlier in the show, I have a like 95% usable copy of Rule Cyclopedia. I have a couple, I have one more session under my belt. I'm, I'm going to run this game. I'm going to run some Rule Cyclopedia. Not for a while, you know. Uh, you know, maybe before the end of the year, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. But I am really excited to run it. It'll be fun to run one of these older games, even though to be fair, rule cyclopedia didn't come out until like 1990 or 91. And it's basically a collection of, uh, the basic edition, basic expert champion, something else. And immortal. I forget what the M stands for master, maybe master. I don't know. I could be wrong on what Beckme stands for, but yeah, rule cyclopedia is basically that. And so I'm excited to play one of these old school games, which, you know, isn't part of the OSR, which is a statement I made a few episodes ago, incendiary on purpose. I like these types of conversations. I like, you know, sparring back and forth with people that I appreciate and respect and think are smart and have good opinions and stuff. It's fun. We don't all have to agree. That's absolutely fine. I'm not trying to change anybody's minds. I just like having fun. I mean, I totally don't think these original TSR games can be part of OSR by their very nature, but people disagree. So let's hear from those people. Okay, man, you successfully baited me into calling. The Rule Cyclopedia absolutely is an OSR game. Why is that? Because the OSR is a movement, uh, a revival not of the games themselves, but instead of the experience and the mindset and the mechanisms of the first 10 years of the existence of the D&D game. So recall the first OSR game was Osric, which is a publishing loophole for AD&D. Is AD&D OSR? Arguably, AD&D is the first OSR because that's the game people wanted to play when the OSR was born. Peace out. Hey Joe, the Pink Phantom here. You got me thinking about the OSR, man. 
And you got me wondering, how far removed do you have to be from the source before you can be said to be trying to emulate an older product? Because Rule Cyclopedia 1991 is 17 years removed from OD&D. And Rule Cyclopedia is an altered version of Beckme. They took the eye out, is the big change. Beckme is an altered version of BX. They changed a few things and then added on the upper levels. And BX is essentially a redo of OD&D. And by the time you get through all those alterations, Dave Arneson wasn't involved. Gary Gygax wasn't involved. So when is it an emulation and when is it just a continuation of that line? Hey Joe, Jason here. Not sure why we have the definition problem. When you talk to the people that came up with the term OSR, they include the original games. So you, you don't have to like it, but you know, we're back to our definition problems here. Why don't we just say old school games instead of OSR and avoid this? Because otherwise, you know, I've got to keep calling and pointing out you're wrong. And that makes me sad. Okay, so the people who created the OSR movement claimed those early games to be part of the movement. But you know who didn't claim those games as part of the OSR? The people that wrote those games and the people that were playing those games back in the day, right? Like, just because some people come along and say, hey, you're part of us now, doesn't mean that they actually are. Um, you know, like, like Cleric, like Taylor pointed out from Cleric's Wear Ringmail. The first OSR game was an attempt to emulate AD&D, right? They didn't want to play AD&D because if they had wanted to play AD&D, they could have. They wanted to play their version of AD&D, which is totally fine. Absolutely totally fine. They wanted to emulate that feeling. They wanted not to play those games, but to play a game like those games to give them that feeling. So that's another reason why they're not part of the OSR. Because the OSR is trying to emulate those games and instead of playing those games, right? <laughs> the OSR isn't about playing these old games. It's about playing games that are like the old games, that are mostly like the old games, but with some touches, with some reorganization, with some, you know, house rules put in, whatever. But yeah, that's, that's why the original games aren't part of the OSR. <laughs> like, exactly. And then Pink Phantom's question, which is a good one, is when does something become an emulation rather than the original thing? You know, and that, that, that's, that's a trickier question, right? Uh, for me, I consider D&D &D to be from OD&D to 5th edition right now. Um, everything that came out under TSR is D&D &D and a continuation of the line. And then when that line got sold to WotC, then that is a continuation of the line. Uh, some folks would probably disagree with that. You know, I know Jason disagrees with that. But yeah, so depending on where you cut it up, I think anything made by TSR is not an emulation of TSR products. It's just a continuation of the line. All these outside products um, like OSE and Osric and Labyrinth Lord and whatever, any of the myriad OSR games that are out there, there's a ton of them. Those are the emulations. Uh, so, 
yeah, you know, like Rule Cyclopedia, it came out in 9091, but it was written by some and put together by some TSR luminaries and, you know, using TSR stuff under the TSR flagship. So, yeah, I consider that a continuation of the line. I don't consider that an emulation. That's just, it's like saying, you know, a Ford Taurus is an emulation of the Model T. It's just a continuation. Uh, or with, uh, like I used before, with songs, you know. A band puts out a song, that's the song, and then another band covers it, that's the emulation. Uh, songs... Other songs from that band are just other songs from that band. They're not emulations of the original song. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's why I don't think these original... And this, this conversation is fun, but it's, it's not important, right? Like I talked about earlier, the people that play this hobby, the cool people are amazing. And that's, that's the awesome stuff, right? We can disagree on this kind of thing, but it doesn't mean I don't like you guys or disrespect you or anything like that. It's just a difference of opinion between some really cool people and me. And I, that's what I love. I love these kind of conversations. These are the kind of conversations you have over beers, like at three in the morning, arguing with your buddies you know, arguing about who would win in a superhero fight or movies or, you know, gaming stuff, sports, whatever. Like, these are fun. This shit is fun, man. I, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but yeah, I don't, based on those calls, I don't, I don't think that the original games are part of the OSR, but that's just me. Let's hear from other people that sort of feel the same way. All right, take it away, boys. Hi, Joe. Sounds like you're living dangerously. OSR, OS. <laughs> um, I have to agree with you. I agree. There's old school games, and then there's the OSR. But I think for practical purposes, the OSR, um, you know, substantially emulates the OS, as it were. Um, and so I think they, they often get lumped together. Um, now, I suppose if you're a purist, you'd say what you're saying. And I would say that, you know, the people who do the OSR seem to think they've improved the game. And not only are they emulating it, but they're sort of like bringing some new school vibe into it and, you know, shedding the, the old fashioned stuff. But it's quite often interesting how often the old stuff seems to come back into vogue as if as if maybe the old school got it right. I mean, AD&D was the most heavily playtested edition ever. It lasted a long time, so... Say, say what you will of that. Okay, cheers, fella. Bye. Nice, dude. Yeah, man. Like like you said, it's a, it's an emulation of those old games. It's not the old games. Uh, but before I get into the next call that agrees with me, <laughs> uh, let's, let's hear one more from Taylor because it kind of ties into this last call. So, Taylor, tempt me, my friend. Tempt me. I don't know, man. You're talking about a... Uh bad pdf scan of the rc old school essentials the uh, classic rules tome not the new one with the advanced stuff but the original that's uh that's an accessible pdf man got to got to think about these things and taylor you are exactly right and uh this next caller 
kind of is thinking along the same lines. And I'll get into it a little bit more on why I'm not going that way. Um, even before I got the accessible, mostly accessible, like 95% accessible version of the Rule Cyclopedia. But, you know, anytime, Taylor, I can tempt you into calling in, I'll do it. Especially now that you're so busy and you're podcasting less. I love to hear your voice, man. And so if it takes me saying crazy things to get you to call in so I can hear your voice, I'll do it, dude. I'll absolutely do it. <laughs> All right. Let's hear from uh, Rob, a.k.a. Minion, of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi. He's got stuff to say along the same lines as Taylor just said. So, Rob, take it away, dude. Hey, Joe, I had a bunch of things to say to you. Oh, by the way, this is Minion, also known as Rob. And a bunch of things I wanted to say to you, but I've forgotten because I've been drinking. But, um, yeah, I admire your, uh, your eagerness to play the rules compendium if that's what it's called um but also the fact that it's difficult for you to read is is gonna be a hard it's gonna be a hard slog so i wonder if it might be an idea to also read the old school essentials um they have the uh, free rules up online um, and that's in a good pdf form and that might give you a bit of a better idea Alternatively, you could use the Beckme rules. Now, they're not in a really clear PDF form, but they are shorter. That is to say, the, the rules cyclopedia is uh, really intense, and there's a lot of stuff to wade through there. But if you go to the basic um, set of the Beckme rules, then you've got everything you need for levels one to three and then you can expand upon that for the expert and that's a lot that's going to be a lot less hassle um on your mind and on your your uh, eyes so i mean that's just one possible solution um as for uh, osr yeah i agree i think um the uh the the new games are osr the original games are old school games right that's how i look at it but not everybody agrees with that um so anyway uh i don't know i think i had something else to say but sorry i can't remember <laughs> anyway take care now and uh talk to you soon they don't come in very often but i love your just silky smooth drunk messages minion i love them dude <laughs> seriously they're so mellow they're so cool to listen to thank you for those dude and yeah so you and Taylor were both thinking the same thing, like check out OSE, check out, check out the basics. And that's a really, really good idea. Uh, that's what I was going to do. And I probably still will look at um, OSE, just, uh, you know, the free version before they added this stuff. But the reason I wasn't, I'm not fully on board with going all in on OSE you know, because when I first was looking at it, I was like, ah, that game looks cool, but there's not an, it's just the basic stuff, right? And like you said, the basic stuff is cool for levels one, two, three. Uh, but then when OSE added in the new stuff, they didn't stick with the basic line. They didn't go to expert. They went to AD&D instead and added in AD&D stuff and then tried to merge the two together. So I don't know. I just felt kind of weird about that. So... I liked your idea, Minion, of starting, 
you know, with OSC or the basic rules and then moving on to expert when I, when I get there because they are shorter PDFs. Uh, but again, now thanks to my amazing friend from across the pond, I don't really have to worry about that. I'll probably get the free version of the OSC rules just to have, you know, just to have them there in my back pocket. But yeah, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to understand it. You know, there's not, there's not much to it. Uh, and it's all the little other subsystems and stuff, which are the things that I'm really interested in. Like the reason I am so hooked on rule cyclopedia right now is because of all that other stuff that they added in from Beckme. And, you know, like pink phantom pointed out, they took out the highest level stuff from Beckme, like the immortal level stuff, but they kept in, I really like the mass combat system they have in rule cyclopedia. I watched a video, this, this YouTube channel that I've mentioned before, the dungeon minister, he's a, what is he? I think he's like an Anglican priest's, priest that runs a game for his wife and his three kids his three sons uh, and he's running Beck me and he talks about the mass combat system and goes into how it breaks down and it's all like this whole chart with all these percentages and everything I love that shit that sounds friggin cool like okay what does this army have you do these calculations what does this army have do these other calculations and then boom I, I, I think that's a fun mass combat system. Um, and maybe not, you know, maybe getting it to the table, it'll be tedious. But I, I like that kind of stuff. It obviously doesn't seem like something you would do on the fly necessarily, though I'm sure you could once I get used to it. I'm sure I could. But I don't know, man. I just think that stuff is neat. I like those little bits and bobs, you know, like basic D&D is what it says it is it's too basic for me for very long like it's just the first three levels so that'll be cool and then we can move into the the bigger stuff the more crunchier stuff if you will so yeah i don't know man but like i said anytime you want to call me rob when you're when you're drinking a little bit or even when you're not man i love hearing your voice dude so Anyway, thanks. Thanks for the call. Let me uh, let me get out of here. Yeah, so let's check out the stats for this discussion. Okay, so on the... Yes, the original games are part of the OSR side of the divide. We have Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. We got... Taylor of the Clerics Wear Remail Media Empire. And I believe Spencer was calling in with his support for that idea too with his awesome message. <laughs> so I'll count that as three. I'll count that as three. Pink Phantom, I, I felt he was pretty much in the middle. He was kind of just asking questions and thinking about it and stuff. And that's totally cool. And man, Phantom, dude. If you ever want to start a podcast, I'll listen to it, dude. You have a bunch of really cool stuff to say. I think it would be a really interesting show. No pressure. I'm just saying my life is less for you not having a podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. And then on the no, of course, the original games are not part of the OSR divide. We have Goblin's Henchmen of the Goblin's Henchmen Media Empire. 
Rob, aka Menyon, of the Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bougie Media Kingdom. You know, he's got a podcast and a blog. Not quite an empire, but working on it. Um, and then, of course, myself. So, yeah, it's a pretty even Steven discussion, and that's awesome, man. Point, counterpoint. I love it. And like I said earlier, the people in this hobby that are cool are the coolest, and you folks are some of the coolest. Like, seriously. These discussions are fun. I'm not out here really trying to change anybody's mind and certainly not trying to piss people off. I love riling people up a little bit, uh, especially because in the gaming community I find myself in these days the OSR is the big boy on the block, right? Like most of the people I listen to, most of the people I chat to and play games with, they're a bunch of OSR folks. So it's, it's, it's fun to poke the bear, man. Poke the big boy. Um, but yeah, like these are just fun. These are totally fun. My next, uh, my next episode is going to be about rolling and when is rolling too much and when is it not enough and skills and all that stuff we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of rolling next episode then after that i i i got a bunch of got a bunch of more werewolf calls man feels like people are insecure about werewolves so they keep calling in about werewolves <laughs> i mean vampires pretty much close the case but that's all right <laughs> That's all right. These discussions are rad. I love them. And I don't have a lot of games right now. I'm kind of in between games, you know. My next Wrath of the Righteous game isn't for a couple weeks. Curse of the Crimson Throne is off again for a couple weeks. So, you know, I got nothing better to do but to put out some episodes, <laughs> which is always fun. And just thank you so much to everybody who called. Um, I really appreciate it. You, you dudes are awesome. Thank you out there for everybody who's listening. I, it, it still boggles my mind that folks listen to me. I don't, <clears throat> I don't get it. You know, I, I do not get it. I'm not like a celebrity the way, you know, Andy Goodman is with the fourth best podcast of 2021. <laughs> according to some random poll uh <laughs> anyway no shade andy i'm just talking shit man um but yeah thank you so much folks and i will catch you next time because this episode is already long enough so until then stay safe stay happy and peace out